Where did I learn more? Did I learn more through the successes and when things were great? Hell no. It was through discomfort. It was through challenge. It was through adversity. It was through my perception of failure. It was through when I had to rebuild myself up. It's when I had to leave one identity and find the courage within myself to step into another one. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Today, we're bringing you a solo episode with yours truly. (laughs) Uh, I just got back from the Men of Movement retreat just a few days ago, and I thought today would be a perfect opportunity to touch base with you and to share a little bit of the evolution of this work in terms of where I was when I started primarily as a movement practitioner, as an athlete, the transition into men's work, what this work means to me, and honestly, the heart opening work that I'm getting to witness day in, day out, but especially at these events with men truly, truly stepping into who they are and their power. And that doesn't come uh, by and large easy for many of us. The reason why we get to know ourselves at a deeper level is because we are touching our edges as I share in today's show. And we are expanding and we are challenging ourselves and we are entering into discomfort, but we're doing so with the intention of loving ourselves at a deeper level and loving those around us and doing so in a community and supporting others. And so today is a, uh, a very reflective episode for me. And I wanted to keep you connected with the process and, and how this work is evolving and developing and really what I'm seeing a lot of men showing up to this work for where they're struggling. And I certainly give where I can some tips and some strategies that has been absolutely helpful for myself and these guys to support you. So let's head right into it. Man, it's hard to believe that it's only been one week since returning home from the recent Men of Movement retreat out in Mount Shasta. And my heart is still flying high. My spirits are flying high. I may still be a little bit fatigued and a little bit tired. We do a lot of work out there, but I'm just feeling on purpose, feeling just invigorated. And I thought today would be interesting, of course, to share some thoughts coming back from that event because one of the things that I've realized is it is so much more than just four days, you know, a retreat there where you go four days and you forget about it. No, like this stuff is from what I've experienced within myself, what I've witnessed in the other men. And then, of course, now this is our fourth retreat. So I've kept in touch with a lot of men over the last two years who have attended. And this is a truly transformative experience that, that carries through far beyond just what happens in four days. And so I thought I'd maybe take a few steps back today to kind of kick this thing off in terms of, you know, most of the people, depending on where you've heard of me, I would imagine that most people listening to this have heard of me potentially first from the movement world, whether it was from my powerlifting background, kettlebell background, maybe my work with Paul Check or hearing me on his podcast. But so much of what has uh, attributed to the man I am today comes from the life lessons that I learned in the gym or on the competition platform or training with people, training partners 
all aiming to achieve some level of, of physical performance or physical success. And, you know, that goes back to when I was about, I mean, even younger than 14, but at least in the lifting realm, when I was 14 years old, I was just entering a, um, a competition powerlifting team. It was based out of Burlingame, California. We had about 18 to 20 guys who were all absolutely die hard in terms of their commitment to the sport, the sacrifices they were making so that they can compete and push themselves at a high level. And then of course, be there for their brothers. It was all men who were competing, at least on our team for many years. And when I was 14, I knew as soon as I touched the barbell, I was like, man, there is something here special. And of course, it's just a piece of steel, but more importantly, it's what it represented to me. And I didn't quite realize that till later in life. And when we start looking at things in life from more of the symbolic as opposed to the literal, like, yes, it's just a 45 pound piece of metal that you stack circular weights on. But obviously anybody who has, who has really fallen in love with the process or, you know, who has committed themselves to some level of grinding and pushing in and out of the gym, I imagine would resonate with what it represents. It represents commitment for me. It represents commitment. It represents touching my edges, pushing myself. It represents achievement. It represents self-confidence. It represents team and community. That's actually more of why I've stuck with so many of the things in the lifting realm, far beyond just like actual the lifting of weights. And so when I go back and I imagine and, and reflect back on where I was when I was 14, I was just entering this world. You know, I had been a gymnast before, but I was such like a moldable piece of clay. And thankfully, thankfully, the, the owner of the gym and then other people on part of the team really took me under their wing and guided me to the best of their ability to, of course, learning proper lifting technique on the deadlift, the squat and the bench press, holding myself accountable. You know, every single Saturday, we used to have something called Super Squat Saturday. Funny side note, I remember when I was... um Oh man, I remember when I was going to high school prom, I was actually attending a friend of mine's prom. I was her date. And at the end of the prom, there was always an after party. And I remember we were driving and she was like, so you're, you know, I imagine, you know, you probably roll out at like, I don't know, one or 2 a.m. You know, I don't need a ride home or whatever she said. And I was just like, hold up, hold up. I'm not going inside. Like I got super squat Saturday tomorrow. I got to get some sleep. <laughs> I just remember looking back. I can just like, I can just laugh at myself now. But in those moments, it meant so much to me to the extent that I feel bad for her almost looking back. I was like, oh man, like you went to this prom with this guy and you know, thought you're going to hang out all night. But no, that, that definitely didn't happen. There was no booze, no nothing. But when I look back at those times, I really reflect back on just what the gym meant to me and what that team meant to me. And it was really an incredibly safe space for me within the, within the, the container of, of powerlifting and that sort of stuff to really explore my edges and, and to push myself and to witness other men pushing themselves and relearning a new maybe definition of failure. And, and instead of calling it failure, like calling it a lesson. And anybody who's committed themselves to anything in the gym knows like progress is not a linear journey, just like the name of this podcast. That was one of the inspirations of this podcast to call it The Path. Because in my experience, there is no linear path. There is no one path. The only path is the one that you define for yourself. And it's so often this, this undulating line of, of switchbacks and, 
and ups and downs, but maybe the net positive hopefully is in an upward direction, but it doesn't always happen like that. And so when I think back to when I was 14, I was like, man, I just remember being so excited, so excited to be a part of something, to be learning something, to really um, like be a part of something larger and to really get in some, some training reps. Not I thought back then it was in, in the realm of the barbell, but I didn't realize at that time so much that I was getting training reps for life and training reps that absolutely support me and have supported me in developing into the man I am and am continually evolving to become. So I remember back then they, they connected me with information. Um, I think it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's weightlifting encyclopedia or bodybuilding encyclopedia. I just remember it being this thick book. I mean, this is going back, you know, over 20 years. So please forgive me if I'm slightly mistaken, but I just remember it was Arnold's book. It's like three inches thick or something like that. I remember just eating that up. I remember eating up anything that Louis Simmons put out from Westside Barbell. They connected me to that work. And then as the years progressed, I really found that I loved applying what I was learning to my own training programs. And then over time, I started seeing success in the training programs that I was writing. And then what I found over time was as I was sharing them with the guys in the gym, I started writing programs for them and I started really developing a love for this. And I started developing a love for teaching and for sharing. And I actually became when I was, um, I think when I was like 17, 18, I was, uh, there was a strength and conditioning class at our high school. Our high school was, it's in San Mateo, California. And we, it was basically known, it was an all boys school. And which is probably why, you know, I have such a love and respect for just the, the, the energy of brotherhood, because it was potentially first, not potentially, it was first experienced at that level there when you're four years spending day in, day out with guys and especially with an athletic focus. I mean, we had, Tom Brady, who attended our school, Barry Bonds, Lynn Swan, who's a Hall of Famer, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and then a whole slew of others. So there was just an athlete energy there. And so I really had the opportunity through that container to really focus on what I wanted. And for me, even though it was a sport outside of high school, it was powerlifting. It was still, I would say, supported by and large. And I just had this, this very narrow, singular, single point focus to be the very best lifter I could be. And thankfully, I had the environment that helped nurture that. And one of the things that I realized that, that I've really taken to today and will continue to hopefully instill in my son is the only way to achieve some level of mastery and whatever that means for you, you know, some level of confidence, competence, the ability to become an effective teacher, to really embody principles in whatever you're trying to achieve a level of, of elite competence or mastery in. There's no way around it than putting in intentional reps. There is no way around it than time under tension. At least that's my experience. And so what I thought I was learning then, I've absolutely been able to carry through in other areas of my life. And that single point focus, what I've really realized is so critical today, not just as men, but as people in the world, because we have a million and one distractions whether that's social media or the wild topics that people are debating uh, out there to uh, food choices to we have in America this 
this plethora of options, which is very beautiful. There's light sides to that, but there's so many things that are pulling us away from that single point focus. And I've really realized at a young age that having that was one of the things that set me apart from other people, uh, was to realize the enticing nature of a lot of these options and to stand in my ground and say, no, that is not a part of my dream. And also, too, to be willing to take risks. You know, I, I feel today uh, this is one thing that's so important. I, I share this so many times with the men at, at, the, at the retreat we were just at, but I really realize if, if there's two maybe qualities that are so conducive to, the, to this deep level of inner work or even outer work, two things come up. Number one is curiosity. And number two is courage. If you have those two things or really aim to develop those, hone those, explore those, expand those, you can do damn near anything in life. And so the willingness to take risks, to play big, to work and explore outside of our comfort zone, to give us the opportunity to grow, to expand, to evolve is absolutely critical if we are to not experience or to catch ourselves in those moments when we feel stuck. That is something that for me personally, and I've had many, many conversations now in, in two years of running this, this men's retreat, this was retreat number four. And then I was also doing some a little bit of men's work before that, assisting, uh, assisting as a facilitator at other retreats. The willingness to identify and acknowledge when we're afraid of something and to move forward regardless. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to be a big step. In fact, what I've realized within myself is oftentimes the scarier that something is, the smaller the action step needs to be to help move ourselves forward. And that takes courage. But when we can chunk it down to a, a actionable, very small, implementable action, then we can develop the habit, the skill of moving forward through discomfort, moving th forward through fear, and not necessarily be paralyzed by it. And then as it relates to curiosity, I mean, the willingness to challenge our own beliefs the willingness to be a student, the willingness to learn from others. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt at these retreats, I've learned exponentially more from other men sharing their heart and their life experience than I have from what I've shared myself or the, the activities that I've led. That is one of the most heart-opening things that happens when you get a group of people together, a group of men who are on the same path, maybe in different with different stories and different reasons for showing up, but who come with that energy of curiosity and courage. When you show up in that way in a group of men who don't want anything from you, it is truly, honestly, magic what can happen. And so uh, going back to, you know, kind of this journey for me from, from being primarily a lifter into and in the coach in the movement realm to now offering men's work, which I would say, I would venture to say uh, is medicine. And I say that through the context of, I really believe in my heart of hearts that we all carry a medicine within us. When we are showing up fully, honestly, openly, powerfully, humbly, and from a place of, of just true love and curiosity and courage. And when we show up in that way, we bring our unique medicine to the circle that we're joining and we can really elevate the entire collective. You know, going back to one more thing in terms of the probably one of the most, the worst feelings that at least I've felt in life and that I know many men feel is this feeling of being stuck, feeling like you are 
moving through quicksand. No matter how hard you try, nothing changes. And oftentimes, you know, more of the same plus more of the same equals more of the same. And so this work, what I've realized is a lot about shaking the roots of the tree so that the dead leaves can fall. And going back to that takes curiosity and courage. And so over the years, I've really realized that if it's one thing that I'm very proud of myself, and this is something very important, and I'm bringing this up because it's, it can be, I mean, honestly, truly game-changing and life-changing, and it has been for many men, is the practice of celebration, the practice of praise. When was the last time that you've truly, truly praised or celebrated yourself? And then when was the last time that you truly praised and celebrated someone else? that you love, that you respect, that you admire, that who inspires you. I would imagine that praising someone else and celebrating someone else probably happens a lot more frequently and also is a lot easier to do than praising ourselves. And so, you know, one of the things that I've realized is uh, just voicing it here. One of the things that I'm very proud of myself is uh, the willingness to take risks the willingness to step out of the person that I've known myself to be into the man that I've always dreamed I'd become. And I'm very proud of that because it has come with many challenges and a disruption disruption to uh, whether it's uh, my family network, to friend networks over the years, to professional networks. By and large, the willingness to have tough conversations and to honor what's true for me. That is something that I really feel is is been supportive to this transition and this evolution from movement to, I'm going to say medicine work. But once again, that is the focus of acknowledging and sharing the medicine that we all have inside of us. That is what I mean by medicine. And so uh, this retreat speaks to my heart because once again, getting to witness the courage that these men have shown, it's really invigorated me to keep doing this work. And in these conversations with men heading into the retreat, and even outside of my one-on-one coaching, you know, there's been a few common themes, and I've really realized why more so why we need this type of work. Uh, the first thing that comes up is the isolation not just men that so many of us experience. And when I'm talking about isolation, there's a few ways to think about this. So, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've had conversations where uh, men may have, um, they're not necessarily physically isolated, like they don't live in some remote area. And, uh, you know, they've got people that they connect with, they have family that they see, uh, they have friends that they grew up with. And yet, still, no matter how connected they are, whether it's through their actually physical proximity with people or through the connections that they have online, I mean, how many followers or uh, how many conversations and, and threads do we communicate with online? And amidst all that connectivity, amidst all that, the feelings of, of actual isolation, or maybe more accurately, the feelings of loneliness is something that I can't even tell you how many times I've heard. It may or may not be the primary thing that most men are, are voicing as what they're struggling with, but typically it does show up somewhere in the conversation. And so this isolation amidst this, again, this mass technological network that we have, as beauteous, beautiful as technology is, I mean, it's allowing me to have this dialogue with you right now and have this conversation and reach more people, which is amazing. And yet, why do so many of us feel so isolated? Why do so many of us not have a safe space for us to be us and to voice actually what's going on underneath the surface? And so that is a very common reason that uh, why people are attending the retreat and why we need this work, at least from my observation, but also 
this feeling of overwhelm. Now, this is really important, I think, for all people, but especially for men. And this one gets me really fired up. Because as I know it, and as I'm learning uh, with this work, and I'm continually studying, like this is all, this is literally that. Remember that single point focus that I mentioned earlier from powerlifting? Well, that is really what this has evolved into the single point focus of developing myself as a man, as a father, and then creating safe containers for men to do the same in their own way. But this feeling of overwhelm. Okay. So if we were to take, uh, maybe like a step back and discuss just really briefly masculine and feminine. Uh, what I want to share is masculine and feminine, at least the, the essence of masculine and feminine do not have to do with anything related to gender. Like masculine and feminine essence is not synonymous with male and female. We all have a masculine and feminine within us. So there is a part of me that is masculine and a part of me that is feminine. Now, most men by and large are going to have a greater propensity or a a higher degree of a masculine essence compared to a feminine essence. Now, I'm going to explain those in a moment. But just to be clear, it it is not synonymous with gender. We all have these two polarities inside of us. And that's actually what attracts us in intimate relationships. Typically, one person is going to be more masculine or have more of a masculine essence, and the other person is going to be more feminine, but that can also change situationally. Now, when I'm speaking about masculine, what I'm, uh, or the essential masculine or a masculine essence, what I'm really talking about here for this context, so I would invite you if this is maybe different than what you've heard before, I would just, you know, uh, request your open ear <laughs> and open heart. Masculine is, is the container. The masculine essence or the essential masculine is the structure that holds the feminine. And so if you think about it, like the masculine is the mountain, the masculine is structure, it's stability, it's the center column. And the feminine or the feminine, the essential feminine is actually anything that can be associated with uh, energy or movement. So feelings, sensations, actions, movements, all of those things are all feminine. So for example, the masculine is the mountain, okay? The stability, the structure, the integrity, the center column of the body. The feminine is the water that is constantly changing. And what I've seen by and large within my life and especially in doing this work, one of the things as it relates to overwhelm is it's really for, and I'm speaking for men because obviously this is a, a men's event, but it's really strengthening our masculine is strengthening our nervous system's capacity to expand and hold the container. So especially within ourself, and then of course, in an intimate relationship. So for example, so like if I'm in the ice, if I'm doing an ice bath right now, the masculine, for example, is going to be the stillness in the water. Okay. Now, all of the feelings, all of the sensations, like, holy fuck, I want to get out of here. Oh my God, this is intense. Holy shit, this is cold. When will this end? All of those thoughts, all of those feelings, all of those sensations is the expression of the feminine essence. The ability to hold that and to stay with that and to not collapse and to not contract, to stay actually heart opened in that is actually what we're doing. That is That would be kind of like a masculine and a feminine practice. A, a static posture or holding something 
to allow for the greater movement of energy within it, that is how we start integrating both. And so a lot of what we do at these events is to support men in entering into what I like to say is the intentional and productive use of discomfort so that we can strengthen our nervous system so that we can, the masculine essence hold is the container that holds so that the feminine within us can take up space. And then in an intimate relationship, for example, with I'll just say my partner, my wife, my ability to hold space allows her to relax into her feminine so that she can take up space. And that can be trained and honed and practiced through many different uh, practices. But by and large, that is one of the biggest things. How do we as men respond when we are in states and in uh, these periods of overwhelm? Do we allow it to shut down our hearts, to collapse our hearts? Or can we stay with it? Can we feel every single ounce of it and still stay heart opened? That is the work that I really believe is is the essential masculine and the work that we are doing. And so men who are feeling overly burdened by life, this overwhelm that keeps coming up and they keep shutting down and they keep judging themselves for how they shut down or how they're responding, that needs to change. That needs to change. And the only way that I know how to do it is to practice it. And when you practice it and when you do so, especially in a community of brothers who are right there going along their own shit with you and that you can draw from their strength and you don't see them collapsing, you see them fighting through it and, and staying open as much as they can and being compassionate in those times when they do, you know, notice those moments of contraction because it will happen. It will happen. That's the thing. And that's the parallel to you know the, the weightlifting room. That is one of the beautiful areas of, you know, we don't always make this forward progress, but as we train, as we train, we are expanding our capacity to hold. We are expanding our capacity to feel the entire range of human emotions. So many of us are only accustomed or connected to just a small or associate with just a small handful of emotions, these dominant emotions or these emotions that that are maybe more um, commonly acceptable, like anger or uh, guilt or uh, fear or shame. But there's, I don't even know, there's like hundreds of feelings and emotions that we can experience. And so a lot of this work is to expand our range, expand the nuance that we can feel. And can we feel all of it? Can we touch the extremities of our edges? Can we touch that and feel it fully? For me, that is what life is about. The life is about relationship. Life is about experiencing. Life is about loving more deeply these deep connections. And we can't get there through superficial uh, conversations. And we can't get there through continually falling into this pattern of just comfort. There are so many things that are comfortable today. Life is made today for comfort. And I'm not saying that I don't enjoy having uh, you know, a truck and I don't enjoy a lot of the comforts of life of being able to access like really tasty treats at the supermarket. But when that becomes our sole way of living, then that's how, at least I'm speaking, especially for men, but that's how we can wither. That's how we we find it challenging to hold our ground, to set healthy boundaries with what's a yes, what's a no for us? What do we stand for? What do we want in life? What type of work are we willing to do? What are we not willing to do? What what are we uh, willing to sacrifice? You know, the, the word sacrifice, 
I know a lot of times this has a negative connotation, but I really love the, the reframe of, of sacrifice means to make sacred. When I am sacrificing something, for example, if I'm fasting, which is something that I really, I almost do some type of like 18 to 24 hour fast almost every day right now at this period in life. Not saying I'll always do it, but right now that's what feels very supportive. I've been doing it for like over a month. And for the many reasons of like, for me, increased energy, wanting to lighten my digestive load during the day. Like there's many, there's like physiological reasons, but just just for the intention to make sacred. When I come down to that that meal in the day, I do so with my family. We do a nice, beautiful meal. Lauren and I, uh, obviously Luca's not having solid food yet, but he's there. Our puppers is there. And I, I always say a prayer over my food. Um, and I'm not religious, but it is my way to connect and show gratitude and appreciation for the food that is on my plate, for where it came from for the people who touched every single ingredient, to have this moment that we have and truly how blessed I am and how fortunate I am to put food on the table and to do so in an environment that's not stressful. Like I know a lot of people who eat in very stressful situations in life and I feel for them. And so the mealtime is a moment for me to acknowledge, to pray, to give thanks of gratitude. And so for me, the fast, one reason in terms of why I fast, at least right now, is to really bring the sacredness into the mealtime. Food is something that we do all the time. And so there are so many opportunities for us to take a pause, breathe, connect with ourselves, connect with the people around us, connect with the food that nourishes us and gives us that energy to move into our fears, to move beyond our fears to get out of our comfort zone. And so uh, going back to, (laughs) I started talking about this because the overwhelm piece is so apparent to me and so many of us men tend to shut down in periods of discomfort. And I believe it's because we have not developed a level of comfort with being uncomfortable. Okay, I'm not saying just being a masochist and just looking for challenge all the time. But what I am saying is if you prepare and you prepare yourself mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually to really understand that it's here for a purpose to teach us something and to feel it fully and to not contract in it, that's how discomfort can truly become a spiritual practice. And that is so much of what we do at the retreat. It is the intentional and productive use of discomfort in community, in brotherhood, where we can witness each other's healing and be witnessed in our own. That is so important. If anything I've been sharing in today's episode resonates with you or you feel a man in your life could benefit from it, my request is to please share this show with them. And also, if you feel called to the Men of Movement Retreat, hit me up. All you got to do is go to mikesalemi.io. There's a tab that says the Men of Movement and just click there and you'll be able to hop on my calendar and we will hop on a call and you'll be able to do so directly with me. Now, that being said, I'm in a place where I'm very much expanding this work, whether it's one-on-one work, one-day events. Of course, we do the Men of Movement Retreat twice a year uh, and also potentially exploring creating a larger container for this work. For example, a six-month program, a year-long program. And so wherever you are, if you are a man and would like support along this journey, I would love to help you in any way or capacity I can. So please do reach out, whether it's through the Men of Movement uh, application or just send me an email. Uh, My email address is mike at mikesalemi.io. Now let's get back to the show. Some of the other things that come up in terms of why we as men need this type of work, there is a lack of 
elders in our society, of wise elders. So much, you know, I, I see this, whether it's in social media, is just a, a blatant disrespect for our elders. And, and we've lost a lot of them. We've lost that grandfather wisdom. And there truly is wisdom there and from their life experience. And so that is one thing that I, I, I truly pray to instill in Luca is the gold, the gold that lies in our elders through life experiences, through times. I mean, my grandfather, God bless him, you know, he, he's, he's passed, but I'll never forget. That's the man who I was named after. And he lived, uh, he fought in World War II for Italy. He was in the fucking cavalry. He was riding horses for heaven's sake. Like for me, that's so, uh, I think I've ridden a horse on like a, I don't know, like a pony ride or whatever once when I was a kid. But he was, he was a farmer as well. He was very connected to the land, used his hands every day, uh, was in the cavalry. And so hearing his stories and his life experience and what he was exposed to, that is some of the greatest nourishment, nourishment for my soul. Uh, that I'll always remember. Maybe when I was a kid, I didn't quite comprehend it. But now when I look back and I think back to those stories and more than anything, what that man represented to me and the amount of hardships he's been through, when I reflect on that and I think about the things and situations and challenges in my life, it really puts shit into perspective. Like I didn't have to run for my life and hide in the caves when bombs were coming up over my head. And so I feel so blessed and fortunate. And so just the wisdom and the life experience for someone who's experienced that can teach us a lot. It has taught me a lot. And so we've really missed and we are lacking the respect and these wise elders and the lessons and the teachings. And that's also why I it, it's a special gift and I'll share it now. But uh, And if you've listened to podcast one with Yaakov Darling Khan, he's basically been a staple at all our retreats. And we, we Zoom him in on the last day and uh, we do a very beautiful ceremony with him. And we learn from him and we learn from his life experience and having a wise elder. Uh, but some of the other things in addition to that is we've lost ritual initiation. These initiation ceremonies to transition boys into men, for them to find the strength within themselves through moments of adversity and to truly find out who they are. And you know, different cultures have all sorts of different ritual initiations, but you know, I would say damn near every single thing that we do at the retreat is a ritual initiation. We do have a few things uh, one in specific, a, a sweat lodge with a Native American elder who's been running sweat lodges for over 40 years. And uh, he's an incredible man. His name is Walking Eagle. And he does a lot in the realm of uh, addiction recovery. In fact, where we where we sit is, is very sacred land. And uh, he basically has his own recovery center right there on the land. And so the helpers are all people who are all working through their stuff. And when you're in there, when you're in the heat, when you're singing, when you're chanting, when you're praying and you're in there with brothers and you can feel, maybe maybe you don't understand their story, but you can feel some of the struggles that they have that starts coming through. At least speaking from personal experience, like you can't not be moved and then find the inner strength within you so that we all rise together. Together we rise, together we rise, together we rise. That's something that we love to say at the retreat. And for me, it's been so clearly demonstrated in these sweat lodges um, that we run with, with Walking Eagle. So the, the lack of ritual initiation, these intentionally created ceremonies for the transition of boys to men. Now, I never had that. And I know so many of us men haven't had that. And so truly, I don't know any other way than to consciously seek it out, 
to explore different containers. And there's many, there's many, you know, groups doing this type of work. And, uh, you know, I've never personally experienced, at least to this date, uh, I'll just throw out a few like Sacred Sons, but I've got a lot of friends who have participated in that. I've got, now this is a co-ed container, but uh, my friend Kyle Kingsbury is a huge part of Fit for Service, which is Aubrey Marcus's organization. Another one that comes to mind is Mankind Project, John Wineland's work. These are just a few of the examples uh, of organizations, especially from what I've heard through brothers that have gone through some of their stuff. And then also knowing people who are leading those containers, it's it's very powerful work in this theme of ritual initiation and doing so in community and witnessing others in their healing and being witnessed. It is just so important. And through that process, through that experience, we get to know ourselves at a much deeper level. Like I've always said, or I frequently have said, I think even on this podcast, that when I reflect back, especially in the lifting realm, but now just in the light realm of life, which lifting for me has been a big part of my life, where did I learn more? Did I learn more through the successes and when things were great? Hell no. It was through discomfort. It was through challenge. It was through adversity. It was through my perception of failure. It was through when I had to rebuild myself up. It's when I had to leave one identity and find the courage within myself to step into another one. It is through that process of, you know, if you think about like a blacksmith of, of, of molding and, and, and harnessing or like a, a swordsmith, someone who's we, sharpening a sword. And if you think about like the samurai, what do they do? I mean, they, I think it's like, I don't even know hundreds of times that they, they heat the steel up, they fold it over, they bang it, and then they cool it. And they, they keep repeating this process. That is life. And so in that way, through that process, we really, really get to experience the beauty of life, which for me is, is the, the range of life, is again, touching these edges and experiencing the highs of highs and the lows of lows so that we can know when we're in the middle. And you know this, this word balance, and I've thrown this around a lot, like yeah, the striving for balance. And at least as I'm understanding it now and reflecting on it in this moment, I mean, I'll first say like, I don't think perfect balance exists. Like, I just don't think it, like we're never in perfect balance. Maybe, maybe there's very short instances where we, we, we touch that balance point, but we're always kind of in this oscillation process of, of two scales, right? And maybe it's more accurately said that we are constantly balancing, right? And the only way to do that is to know ourselves. And the only way to do that is to truly experience and to push ourselves and to find who we are underneath who we think we are. So this is all, you know, just speaking to the importance of touching our edges, of experiencing the intentional use of discomfort, which by and large today, as I just mentioned earlier, we have to, especially as men and even as women too, we have to seek that out because society has just been um, arranged in this realm of comfort and of autopilot. We have to consciously think about the friends we choose to connect with. We have to consciously think about the food that we put in our mouth. We have to consciously think about how we physically train ourselves so that we can have a level of physical integrity to do the things that life requires. Uh, we have to constantly push ourselves to get uncomfortable and experience the depth of our feelings and the ability to express that and to not contract all the time when we go there. And so these are just a few of the small examples of, of why I really feel getting uncomfortable is so important from the place of learning to know ourselves, 
to love ourselves at a more deeper level, and then by and large to love those around us, to have a greater degree of empathy for those around us, to the ability to even put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to uh, to realize that by and large, most everyone's doing the best that they can with what they got. And it may not seem like that at times, but when we can, again, touch our own edges, then I've really felt I've been able to be more compassionate with myself and therefore as a byproduct, compassionate with others. As I've reflected on what this work means to me, this this men's work, you know, the, the theme or the motto, and you may have heard this either on other podcasts or on this podcast, the theme is lead from the middle. And every retreat, and as I'm doing my own work, I'm getting more insight and more information in terms of what that actually means to me. And one of the things that came up is, you know, if you think about whether it's pick the chakra system, okay, the heart chakra is what's in the middle between the upper three chakras and the lower three chakras, those energy centers of the body. And so leading from the middle, for the most part, or in, in the most accurate sense, means leading from our hearts. And when we do so, and we, we, can, we can connect from that place and we can have the courage and curiosity to show that, especially in a safe container to others, it's fucking magic. It's magic what can be created in that energy. And so lead from the middle means to lead always or as much as possible from our heart to recognize when we are leading just from our head uh, or from a survival place and to bring it back to the heart. The other thing is, is recognizing that you know, especially in the facilitators know this very well. And we will do another podcast with either a few participants or facilitators probably in the coming weeks. But I'm very big on um, certainly while I'm leading this retreat and facilitating it. And it's very important for me that myself and also the facilitators acknowledge that we are all human too, going through our process. And so while uh, another facilitator myself may be leading something, uh, we go through our process as well. So we participate in damn near... If we're not leading it, we go through it as well. And for me, that represents the willingness to be humble and to go through our own work and to also stay more connected with the people around us. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a time and a place to step forward, again, and lead from the front uh, or even take a step back and lead from the back. But from that middle position, you can use discernment in terms of what is absolutely critical or what is needed in that moment and what type of person do... I or we need to show up for, for the greatest good of the entire group. And from that place, from this lead from the middle mentality, we can move with greater alignment, alignment of body, alignment of heart, alignment of mind. And this, this word purpose specifically comes, it gets tossed around a lot. And I've, I've meditated on this quite a bit and I'm still, of course, defining what it means to me. And while I do think it is very important to have an overarching dream for our life, and that can change and certainly needs to change as we experience different roles and responsibilities, like for example, being a new dad, I mean, my dream absolutely has evolved as I've stepped into the role of father and wanting to be the best model I can be for my son and wanting to help him become a man. Like that before having three years ago, I would never have said that as my dream. But it's also the recognition that these dreams can change and they will evolve and they should change and evolve. But a lot of times what I find out in doing dream work, if you don't know what your dream is, as Paul Check would say, sometimes it can be most helpful to identify what is your nightmare first? What don't you want? And sometimes that can at least point you in the right or in a more aligned direction for, for what the dream is for you. But if that still feels overwhelming, and I know it is a lot to think about this dream or this legacy, I still think it would be very 
worthwhile to go through that as a, as a journaling exercise and to see where you're at and see what comes up for you. Like, I think there's absolute value in it, especially as a benchmark to, you know, to where you're at right now. But that being said, one of the things that I've realized is what if me living every single day to the best of my ability by my core values, for example, to be, to live with integrity, uh, my family as, as, uh, as a big core value of mine, family is huge for me of kindness. That is something that is so important to me. Just those three, for example, and then let's just pick a fourth one to be of service. If I just pick those four core values, which are the rudder on our ship to let us know if we're moving in the right direction to our dream. But what if just living those each day and developing the habits around that? What if that in and of itself was the purpose? To live from the heart, to move from the heart, to lead from the center of our heart, and to do so with the healthy habits and rituals and relationships and conversations that are in alignment with the values that we believe to be true, not necessarily to lead with the values that we blindly inherited from, for example, our family that are actually not our own. That is, I've shared this, I think, once before, but it is a very, it can be a very profoundly life changing exercise for you to go through the process of establishing your core values, defining those, what is really, really important to you in life, and then reflecting on which one of those did you learn from your family and you still blindly attached to, and that are in fact not what you believe to be true. And from mom, from dad, and you can even go through this, this exercise of writing, what are the values that you observed or felt from mom and from dad and see where there's overlap in your own. And I'm not saying if it feels true for you not to keep those for sure. But what I am inviting you to consider is noticing what are you blindly attached to and just doing what patterns and behaviors are you just repeating unconsciously. When we hear the word uh, ancestral work or this uh, ending of, of generational patterns, for example, from grandfather to father to son to his son. You know, a lot of what I hear in men is this desire to end those cycles that are quote unquote, not serving them anymore. And to bring that down into a practical, very practical sense, that is the, the, the thought processes, the behaviors, the actions, the core values, et cetera, that again, we are blindly attached to and living out from those prior generations that we want to end. And so it doesn't have to be this ethereal thing like ending generational trauma and cycles. It shows up practically in our day-to-day. And that's why being curious and courageous is so important with that work because it takes those two qualities to look at ourselves truly and honestly. And especially if we have someone or a few people in our life that can provide us feedback. But I want to be really careful with how I say that because feedback I found to be one of the more valuable parts about having, for example, these containers of men and even intimate relationships, like getting feedback for things on in areas of our life that we cannot see ourselves or that we need to be sharpened on, but doing so not from a shaming place. I think that is why so many of us uh, can get defensive when, as it relates to receiving criticism or feedback. And by and large, it may be due to not being solid in our own values and not knowing ourselves. For sure, that can be absolutely connected to it. But also in how we deliver feedback is absolutely critical because so much of the feedback that we've received in life that we are unconsciously giving and sharing with another stems from the own shame that we've received from our parents. And whether we know it or not, that comes through. And so much of the feedback and criticism, quote unquote, that we receive is steeped and just, in my opinion, just 
continues this cycle of just shame-based feedback. And so I'll just give you one tip. This is in one of the exercises that we do in the retreat where there's a feedback component and there's multiple layers to this. But just to bring it back to this exact point, one of the things that we say when a man is expressing himself or acting out in this particular exercise, the circle of men who are witnessing him embody this this thing, this belief that he, that may be holding him back or chaining him down, the feedback starts with, what did you love about what you saw? And each man shares that. And then what would you love to see more of? Okay. What did you love? And what would you love to see more of? That's a very different place than you did this wrong. You did this right. I didn't like when you did this. So much of that, once again, is just through our own filter and our lens. And I think a lot of this work is reestablishing our relationship to feedback and owning our experience. And so if we do have that type of feedback that may be perceived as from a shameful place, like owning that, like, hey, this is just through my personal experience. This may or may not be true or in my through my filter, through my lens or whatever you want to say. But Owning it as your own as opposed to putting your experience on someone else, I think is really, really important to help heal that wound or that trigger or that challenge that so many people face. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I just realized that I had never never really shared all this stuff. And, and this bringing it back to, I really feel this work is needed. And not only is it something that I'm witnessing, but it's something that men are really yearning for. And so this is my commitment here to continue doing this work to the best of my ability to create as safe of a space as possible for men to come together, to grow, to heal, to touch their edges, to experience discomfort in community, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual discomfort, energetic discomfort, to enhance the strength and the capacity of our nervous system, to experience the range and the beauty and the volumes of feeling, emotion, sensation, thoughts inside us, but to remain open-hearted, open-hearted through that process and to not contract, to not wither, to acknowledge ourselves, to praise ourselves, to acknowledge the men in front of us, to praise them for how they're showing up. And together we will rise and together we are rising. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. This was a lot of fun. We'll be coming back with another episode where I'm going to be interviewing at least one or two facilitators and probably one or two participants to share maybe a few of the maybe more even more specifics of what we did at the retreat and their experiences around it. But by and large, if I'm going to bring it back to courage, curiosity, and uh, finding a group of people, whether it's brothers or sisters, that you can connect with from an open-hearted place and establish your core values that are yours uniquely and to realize when you do that, you are already living in your purpose. It's not something that's so far out there and so far reaching. It's the day-to-day chop wood, carry water. It's the day-to-day conversations that we have with ourselves, that we have with the people around us. It's the choices that we make the first thing in the morning when we get up. It's all of those things that is practicing. That is us stepping into intentional reps and productive reps to live a more expansive life, to live a life with greater depth and with greater love. So wherever you are listening to this right now, whether you're a male, a woman, whatever, I wish you the utmost of just happiness today, success. And if you need any support, please reach out. I'm here. Uh, This is the work that I really feel most called to do right now, especially with men. So whether it's one-on-one coaching or the Men of Movement containers or any other work that I do, 
please hit me up just to give you guys, I'm going to plant a seed right now. Uh, One thing that I've really felt called to do is as opposed to maybe simply two retreats a year, I will be opening more one day events. But ultimately, I'm doing a lot of reflecting now of how can I evolve these offerings and men's work to make it even more transformative and have the container be even stronger and last for longer periods of time. So what that means to me, at least right now, and again, I'm very much in a reflective space, but that potentially means like a six-month container you know, where we, we connect each month. And I've been a part of different ones myself, but I'm still feeling into what will work best and what I feel is the greatest need. But longer containers where maybe some of these retreats are included as a part of it, but we really stay connected even more during the process because so much of this is how we integrate these lessons, these new evolutions of ourselves into our daily life. And uh, so I'm very much in a creative space right now. And if you are a man and you are called to join any of this work or you have any ideas, I'm very much open to it. But in the meantime, I send you lots of love. Have a beautiful, beautiful day and I wish you all the best. Ciao. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 